Welcome to episode 52 of the Rich Roll Podcast with professional Ironman athlete, Ronnie Schilt-Connect. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I am Rich Roll. This is the Rich Roll Podcast. If you're new to the show, what do we do here? Well, on a weekly basis, sometimes twice a week, I'm working towards twice a week, I bring to you the best and the brightest in health and fitness and wellness, paradigm-busting minds and forward thinkers on the cutting edge of what's new to bring you the straight truth on how you can maximize your long-term sustainable wellness and fitness. So I've had doctors on the show, nutritionists, health experts, world-class athletes, entrepreneurs, and our subjects range from the nitty-gritty, geeking out on nutrition, the ins and outs of what's healthy and what's not, training techniques uh, for athletes ranging from Ironman athletes and marathoners and ultra runners to MMA fighters and all different kinds of people, volleyball players. Uh, I try to bring to you a wide spectrum of people, uh, not always people I always agree with, but all different kinds of personalities and perspectives so that uh, I can give you one thing, which is a tremendous amount of information for from which you can draw what works for you, what what doesn't, and you can take what resonates with you, incorporate it into your life to improve your life, improve your health, improve your nutrition, improve your diet, improve your fitness, so that you can tap into, unlock, and unleash your best, most authentic self. Uh, who am I? I am a ultra-distance triathlete turned podcaster, uh, a little bit more podcasting lately and public speaking than uh, training. So I'm going to have to find some balance with that. I've been traveling a lot. I've been on the road quite a bit <clears throat> doing public speaking engagements and I love it. I'm getting ready to go out on the road again. And uh, it's my favorite thing to do to go out and uh, connect with people and talk about my favorite subject, which is plant-based nutrition, athletic performance, and uh, repairing our health. Uh, I'm also uh, a best-selling author. I wrote a book called Finding Ultra. I'm a plant-based nutrition advocate, a lifestyle entrepreneur, a husband, and a father of four. And that's if you, you guys are new. For the longtime listeners, thanks for joining us again. This has been an incredible journey and uh, one I'm enjoying walking more than you can imagine. We appreciate all the support out there. Uh, if you've been enjoying the show, a couple things that would be great to help us out that are really simple on your end, go to the iTunes page and leave us a nice comment uh, about what's up. It helps with the iTunes rankings and and uh, helps spread the word. And on the spread the word uh, tip, tell a friend. It's because of you guys that uh, we have the audience that we have. And uh, so if this is speaking to you, if you're enjoying it, we would greatly appreciate it if you would just mention it to a friend or post a picture on Instagram and just tag it, Rich Roll. That would be cool. Uh, and uh, for people that are buying things online, we're all buying stuff on Amazon these days. Great way to support the show is just to go to the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com. Click that, buy whatever you're going to buy on Amazon. Save that uh, link in your browser preferences. You're at the top there, so it's easy for you to do. And it doesn't cost you anything extra on your Amazon purchase, but Amazon kicks us a few pennies and uh, it's really it really adds up and it's really helping us uh, continue what we're doing. We just bought some new mics. We're moving into a new studio. I've got a new 
a digital audio recorder, great stuff. And all because you guys have taken a few moments to support the show by using the Amazon banner ad. And we just put up uh, an Amazon banner ad for our friends in the United Kingdom, Amazon dot, uh, or the Amazon UK banner ad up there. So people that are in England, United Kingdom um, can use that one to support the show. And we're working on other affiliate relationships uh, with Amazon for different countries as well. So stay tuned on that. Uh, if you're interested in plant-based nutrition, maybe you're plant curious, maybe you're a paleo person, but you want to eat more plants. Maybe you're a long-term vegan, but you're looking to dial up the quality of your diet on a daily basis. Well, a good way to do that is to check out our plant-based nutrition online course at mindbodygreen.com. Three and a half hours of online streaming video content. Uh, each video is about five to 10 minutes long on a specific particular subject related to plant-based nutrition. We cover everything from how to stock your kitchen, what to get at the grocery store, how to handle travel, airports, how to uh, talk to your kids about eating healthy, how to eat in restaurants, what kind of nutrients you should be thinking about getting more of in your diet. Essentially everything that I could think of that comes up when people ask me, how do you do this? What do you do? We tried to address all of that and I'm really proud of the, of the, of the product that we put out there. Um, and you can, if you go to mindbodygreen.com, it's right there on the homepage. You can watch a few uh, sort of sneak preview clips of what it's all about. Um, and uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, it also has an online community where you can ask questions. Uh, we chime in, the community chimes in. The whole idea is that we're all there to support each other and help us get healthier by eating more plants wherever you are on that spectrum from, like I said, hardcore uh, long-term vegan to somebody who's completely new to this and, and really just doesn't know where to start. So that's cool. Uh, you can also donate to the show. We have a donate button. You can throw us a few bucks on a one-time basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis. We really, really appreciate that. We understand that uh, this is your hard-earned money. You have a choice about where to spend it. And the fact that anyone would send us money is really kind of amazing. And we appreciate everybody who has done that. It means a lot to us. Uh, I'm going to be in D.C. this weekend, September 28th, speaking at the D.C. VegFest. So if you're in the D.C. area, please come by, come and check it out. I'm going to give an hour talk and then I'm going to sign books and meet people. And I'm going to have some of those Plant Power t-shirts ready to sell you guys. Not a ton, but I'm bringing some. So it's going to be a first come first serve thing. And on the t-shirt tip, we are getting our website configured and we're going to be offering uh, a couple different t-shirt designs very, very soon, probably sometime in the next two weeks. Just the stuff takes time. We have the t-shirts in stock, but we just have to configure all of the web stuff so that all of that kind of stuff works. And so if people are buying something, it actually gets shipped properly and on time and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, we have a few products too. If you go to richroll.com, we have a vitamin B12 supplement. I have an athletic recovery post-workout supplement. We have our cookbook, Jive Seed, 77 pages of awesome recipes. It's the downloadable PDF, really simple, family-friendly fare that is delicious, that, uh, that our kids love, and also all the recipes that have fueled me through my training. And that's just $9.99, so simple, simple, boom, done. And we have a meditation program, Jive Release. Meditation is very important. It's been a consistent topic on this podcast. 
I'm constantly singing the praises and the benefits of incorporating a consistent meditation practice into your life. Uh, and this is a great and easy way to get going. If you're new and you don't know anything about meditation, you just don't know how to start or what you're supposed to do. This is a guided program. It's not, it's not, it's just a specific method. It's one method, um, that kind of takes the guesswork out of it and, and gets you going. So even if you're a seasoned practiced meditator, maybe this is a new technique you might want to check out. It's a humming technique and it's a lot of fun. So anyway, uh, that's that. I want to get into the show. Ronnie is uh, my guest today. Ronnie Schilt Connect, I believe is how you pronounce it properly. I was always saying Schilt Connect, but I think I had it wrong. He corrected me at the end of the interview. Um, Ronnie is a guy who is not necessarily a household name uh, as a professional athlete, but he's incredibly accomplished. He's a Swiss professional triathlete who had quite an astounding uh, sort of ascension in the sport in a very short period of time. He went from being a guy who was a tennis player, a fairly accomplished tennis player, and a guy who had kind of messed about playing soccer and hockey um, and found his way into triathlon. And it's funny because most professional triathletes have a background in swimming or track and field or cross country or maybe even bicycle racing. Um, and he came at it from a completely different sort of sport background um, and took to it like, uh, like a fish to water. And uh, he's had some amazing results. He's one of the most accomplished athletes in uh, professional triathlon. And he is the only uh, Ironman athlete who has ever won one Ironman race in seven consecutive attempts. So he's won Ironman Switzerland seven years in a row. No other professional athlete, Ironman athlete, has ever won one race seven years in a row consecutively. So that's a, <laughs> quite an extraordinary uh, accomplishment. So in Switzerland, you know, everybody knows who this guy is. He's a big deal there. Uh, this He lives outside Zurich and this Ironman Switzerland course is essentially his backyard course and he's owned it. Uh, he's owned it like nobody's business um, for the better part of the last decade. He just won it for the seventh time this past year. He also won Ironman South Africa this year. So he's won two Ironmans this year. And his top finish at Kona, the Ironman World Championships, was fourth in 2008. Since that year, he's had uh, challenges trying to replicate that performance or take it to the next level. And what's interesting, as he goes into uh, the Ironman World Championships in Kona this year, 2013, is his changing perspective, his evolving perspective on training and how he's preparing for this race and what has worked for him in the past, what hasn't and what he's learned and what he's trying to do this year to uh, take his game to a whole new level on the biggest stage in triathlon, which is the uh, Ironman Kona uh, World Championship. So it's fascinating for people who are endurance athletes or any kind of athletes to, to kind of tap into his brain and figure out what makes him tick and what's working for him in a training in a training context uh, was very interesting to me and I think you'll find it really interesting. And I think the takeaway message out of the whole thing is just how important it is to take ownership of what you're doing, to make decisions for yourself, to learn what makes your body tick, what works for you and what doesn't, and to be an independent thinker about that, to not just adopt somebody else's program or do what somebody else says you should do, but to learn how to listen to yourself, to finally tune into what makes your body tick 
and to trust in that. And that's kind of been his evolution. And it's really uh, a powerful message and, and one that I think has a lot of value. So without further ado, let's just get into it, man. Uh, I really, really enjoyed sitting down with Ronnie. He's a, um, a very thoughtful, sort of uh, gentle, quiet guy who's very introspective. He's not a guy who's trying to grab the limelight or be sensational or um, sort of, I don't know. Uh, he's, he's not a guy who, who is trying to um, grab the spotlight, I suppose. I think he's much more, at least in my sense is, he's much more comfortable letting his performance and his results speak for himself. So it was a treat uh, that he would take the time to sit down and have this really uh, fascinating conversation with me. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible, they're not third-party tested or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. Momentous products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentous's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentous for yourself by going to livemomentous.com richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S dot com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. 
We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic Fairtrade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive And the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. Without further ado, let's just get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, Ronnie Schulkt Connect. Shulked Connect. Shulked Connect? Shulked Connect. Shulk. Shulked Connect. Anyway, enjoy. So the thing that's funny is that um, usually when I do this, I don't want to like kind of talk to the person ahead of time very much because then like it we talk about everything and then we get on the podcast and then there's nothing yeah. left to talk about or you have to retread True. or whatever but yeah. we just had like a two-hour lunch yeah so we're gonna have to go over it all again yeah. are you up for it yeah yeah i'm up for it of course yeah, yeah. man well thank you uh for taking the time of you're, course you're a busy guy and you've got a lot on your mind right now getting ready for kona yeah i'm not too busy because the tapering starts soon so. right it's good. Well, good. So I, I will say to myself that I'm doing a good thing for you because I'm forcing you to sit down and rest. Yeah. Well, that's it was never a problem. Right. It's not a problem <laughs> for me. That's good. How's the training going? Training is going really well. I mean, it has been going well all year. So I'm really hopeful, but it's like always in racing. Uh, it's the day. On the day you need to perform. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you did before. It's just that day. That's the sport a little bit. Right. Instead, So you finish the race, you don't do so good, and you go, yeah, but you should have seen me when I was training yes. two weeks ago. Exactly. Right. And the, that's, what, that's what I learned most from, from, these, from these sports where you have to perform in one day because that's, I think, uh, which is unusual to have as a job to, be, to have to perform in, on three days. Mm-hmm. You get, And that's, that's the hard part, but also the nice part because... I'm responsible for myself. I can decide when I go train, when I go rest. And then, of course, the pressure gets up, up, up for the race. Mm-hmm. And I'm responsible for it. And I have to to show the results. But it's just another way, uh, yeah, of maybe when you go every day to daytime job every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's different. You have to perform as well every day. But maybe I have another climax like... It's like really high pressure because it's only three days a, a year. Right. And like you said, you can be so good three, four days before and then on the day you're not. And then you get 
measured on the performance. Right. And not all of those things you have control over. You have you have control over certain things, but yeah. there are certain things that are out of your control, right? Exactly. I mean, you have experience, you try to do, you know what worked, but every week is different. I mean, every day is different. Mm-hmm. It's, you feel different. You have maybe, you do things which you, you which worked uh, a few years before, uh, for or, yeah other races, but it's always different. Your right. body is in another state of mind. Your mind is in another state of mind. So, so yeah, you you have you can control a few things, but not all. I think that you said I read somewhere where you said an Ironman is like a life, and yeah. it, within that day you live a life, and there's the ups and the downs, yeah. and the tiny victories and upsets and setbacks, and all of that packed into that one experience of yes for for you eight hours for some yeah. people in <laughs> 20 yeah. hours but but nonetheless uh you know the same roller coaster ride right yes uh, that's that's true it's uh every ironman i remember as a short life period it's like a short life like you have the ups and downs but the good thing is mostly you have a happy end mm-hmm. i mean mostly uh because uh, and that makes you pride oh proud that's what makes you proud. You go through the highs and lows. It's like in life, you you have to go through it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, in life, it never ends. An Ironman is starts and it ends. Right. So you have like you have this in the pocket. That's nice. But uh, mm-hmm. also in life, you set goals, of course, and then you have it in the pocket. But it's always goes on and on. And in racing, it's the same. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just very intense. Eight nine hours that that Ironman racing is just. Yeah, it's it's like a little journey, yeah. For sure, and uh, I would say that you're having a pretty bang up year this year. Yeah, you I, won Ironman South Africa. Yeah, and that was in April. What point? What part of the year was that? Yeah, again? it was in, in the April. spring, right? Yeah, it was in April. <clears throat> exactly. And then you followed it up with your seventh consecutive Ironman Switzerland win, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm gonna, before I, we do the interview, I do, I'll record like an intro so everybody yeah. understands who you are, people okay. who might not have heard of you, but so they'll already know all that part. But just to kind of get into that a little bit, I mean, you're the first person to win one Ironman race on seven consecutive years, right? Yes. So yeah. incredible. And you're back, your backyard course, yeah. essentially, right? Your hometown. Yeah, indeed. Uh, when I started this, I mean... I never thought that that would happen, but I heard that many people say on on other things like, and then you do it. And well, it's unbelievable. If I look back right now, maybe it's not so real, but maybe in a few years when I stop right. with my you career, like, it wow, will be I even... did that. Yeah. And you come from a, a really sort of unique place in terms of your evolution as an athlete and as a triathlete. I mean, you hear it's very common for... People who get into triathlon who were cross-country runners or track and field runners or swimmers or what have you, and you, but your background was tennis, soccer, and then I guess a little bit of ice hockey in there, but yeah. really tennis, right? That was your main sport growing yeah. up as a kid. I grew up as a kid playing soccer and tennis, both. Uh-huh. And then after, when I was nine, 10, I had to decide for one because it, I didn't have the time for, to do both because mm-hmm. I wanted to. Either, well, in my dream, become a soccer star or a pro. Well, not a pro star there when I, when you're young. Or tennis. And then I decided for tennis. Mm-hmm. But just as a kid growing up in Switzerland, like who are... I mean, my only context is America where it's all about basketball and football. So yeah. as a child growing up in Switzerland, 
who are the sports idols that the kids are kind of idolizing? Is it soccer players and tennis players? Is that yeah, I those think are the main so. sports? You know, I was what the thing was my parents, they play tennis, so I became I was on the court when I was three years old, not playing tennis, but because my mom played, mm -hmm. so I was always around tennis. So, and tennis by that time was a really popular sport. It was like what is now golf, probably. Mm -hmm. Tennis was for, yeah, was, was really the sport growing a lot. And my idols were like Stefan Edberg. He was a mm -hmm. Swedish guy, always played against Boris Becker. Mm -hmm. Also, I liked both, but then my mom said, you know, you have to be Stefan Edberg fan. Because I, I didn't know which one I should decide. Why? Well, what was the rationale behind that? I mean, well, Becker was really the guy. Yeah, but Stefan Edbergs was so calm, always composed, the nicest guy on the court. Mm -hmm. Just um, <clears throat> surf and volley player, the best in the world. Um, so, so I said, yeah, you're right. He's, he's so, how, how do you say, sympathetic? Sympatico? Like, yeah, very. Mm -hmm. Like, and uh, yeah. And and I was always, yeah, I was young, so I was like, Beckeris, it was cool. Right, and, he and was that, like a movie star yes. at the time. I mean, in Germany, he was yeah. enormous. Yeah, Boris Becker with uh, his win in uh, Wimbledon when he was 17. And uh, But yeah, then I somehow, I don't know, he, she didn't say you have, but he, she was like, she Stefan Edberg is a, is a great guy. And then I was like, oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Actually, I like Stefan Edberg. So you have like pictures of him on your wall in your bedroom and stuff uh, like that? Or? I don't remember, to be honest, but uh, yeah, maybe one or two. <laughs> <laughs> so, But anyway, he's your guy, right? <clears throat> yes. So you start playing tennis and you were pretty good, right? Nationally ranked in Switzerland. Yeah, I was, I was good as a junior. I mean, you cannot tell too much when you're good as a junior because it means not much. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I played... I played uh, seriously. I played every day. I mm -hmm. I was in a team. Like I, I was coached by a former uh, good Swiss player, Roland Stadler is his name, and he once was in the final of Gstaad. That's a Swiss tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, he was my coach. And uh, yeah, I, I was a big, a good, uh, no, not a big, a good talent with a good touch, but I was missing a little bit. Uh, the mental side right. of it. Like, so talk about your, your epic match with Federer. Yeah, that was... I mean, How old I, were you? I was, I was uh, probably 14. Uh, no, I was 15. He was probably 13. Mm -hmm. A little younger. Well, it was not so epic because I didn't know who is Federer. <laughs> right, <laughs> well, at the time, right? <laughs> Only in retrospect. Time. He was just, yeah, yeah. in retrospect, 6'4", six, 6'4", four, six, four, I always... It's just a good gag, you know, a good fun to say, like, oh, I played... Roger Federer, and I actually meet him, I met him a few years ago, uh -huh. just a few days before Ironman Switzerland, and then I told him, hey, we played, and yeah, it was really funny. Yeah. Really Did he remember? He didn't. Yeah. He didn't. <laughs> he beat too many Did guys. Did he know who you, I mean, what was the context in which you were meeting him, though? Did he know you were this great Ironman champion, or? Um, yeah, he went, actually, it was it was funny. Um, uh, a former manager of, of him, a girl, she was a tennis player as well, but she was doing Ironman. Mm -hmm. So she said, hey, I have that Mercedes bike, <clears throat> which Roger won, a Mercedes bike. A Mercedes bicycle? Yeah, a bicycle. They did actually a bike really? and we need to come to the, sh to the bike shop. So can you be there just to say hi? And I said, sure, I can. Uh -huh. And then he really showed up and with the Mercedes, with the, with the Mercedes uh, bicycle. 
And uh, yeah, I, I think he never never going to use it, but they right, had to right. adjust some gears. It was it's like a ten speed bike, like a like a carbon frame bike with yeah, the Mercedes no, logo it on it, or what? I, mean, yeah, like, I, I don't remember the bike uh-huh. so much, to be honest. But not not a really good one. But then we met and we chat, and uh, and he was aware of it. Uh, well, because I said, oh yeah, I'm racing on the weekend, and mm-hmm. and then I won, and uh, yeah, I think he, he was aware of it. And right. a few years later, I. I saw him again when he was playing tennis and uh, yeah, on the court. I was by accident in wintertime. I went on the court with a friend as well. And who's there playing? Roger Federer. Uh-huh. Just, just hitting balls? like Yes, hitting uh-huh. balls just before a tournament. And I was just by accident going there. I haven't played for a long time. And I just went there for with my body to play a little bit. And he was like, hi, Ronnie, how was Hawaii? Uh. <laughs> That's his first, uh, I was like, yeah. I was embarrassed. So uh. it was so funny that he still remembered, oh, I saw you in, right. in, in Zurich and you won there. And now you did Hawaii and you told me, oh, you want to go good in Hawaii? But I was right. like, oh, no, I, I, I sucked. It was a good year, yeah. yeah. So it was... Just interesting. Uh, well, start. you're going to have to redeem yourself in Hawaii this year. So when you yeah. run into him next, you can. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's Hawaii is a very special, special place. Yeah. Special race. I want to get into that in a minute, but I want to yeah. go back to something you said a minute ago, which was that you felt like you were good uh, technically as a tennis player, but yeah. that you were lacking the mental game. Yeah. So what do you mean by that? Like, what no. do you think wasn't? Yeah. You, you didn't have the focus, or very. Uh, uh, maybe too much, um, not mature enough. Anger, angry when I mm-hmm. didn't, when things didn't go my way. Uh, cracking rackets all the time. Right. Uh, screaming. What were you so angry about? Oh, just just not, competitive. Co- just competitive, not playing how I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Just didn't have the composure. Maybe in like I said, in training, I was always very good in training because no pressure. But in 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 in, uh, in in the tennis matches when it counts, I I couldn't play what I can. Normally can, but mm-hmm. like I said, the same like you can training and feel good, and then in the race you don't perform. Right. And that was uh, similar um, in tennis. Like being able to have the composure to perform the way you do in training when it matters most, when yes. the pressure is on. Yes, I right. couldn't handle that. <clears throat> Not at mm-hmm. all. But you seem to have been able to master that in a new way, in a new sport. Yes. Right? So yeah, what do you think the evolution of maturing mentally has been for you as an athlete? Yeah, exactly. The, the, I think the, it helped me because this experience, I, I, I knew that this is not the way you're going to be successful. You know, this, is, this was a bad, not a bad, it was one, no, I didn't regret it. That's how I was. I was young. I think I, lo- a lot of young tennis players are like this. Roger was like that. Mm-hmm. Look at him now or look at him the last 10 years. Uh, if you looked at him about when he was 12, th- he was throwing around rackets and stuff. Right. So, But it's a part of your life and, and you learn from it. And uh, so, yeah, I, in Ironman, it's a strength of mine. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting. You took something that was your Achilles heel or your weakness in tennis and made that your strength. Yeah. In your new yeah. sport. I like that. So, yeah. so let's get into how triathlon began. So you're pursuing tennis and you take it to this certain level, but then you realize, well, I'm not going to exceed this certain glass ceiling that I'm yeah. bumping up against here. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I, I got always the support from my parents, but when you're young, 15, 16, and uh, your parents drive you around with the car to these tournaments, and then 
I always felt like I need to win for them. I wanted to win too, but mm-hmm. I wanted to make them proud. And, and I was always a little, yeah, like I couldn't play what I wanted. And that dr- drove me from the sport. Mm-hmm. Because, and then when I lost, my parents were not so happy about it. And I didn't like the feeling after the matches. Right. Going back in the car, quiet. I, so, like tennis was their thing, right? So, do you yeah. feel like they were projecting expectations on you or? They, I, not that they projected there, but they were just one, they just wanted the best for me. Mm-hmm. And they did, they, they expressed it maybe in the wrong way because they were more disappointed, maybe as disappointed or even more than I was. Right. Uh, and, and I, and I wanted to be good for them. And so, yeah, I just couldn't play what I wanted, and right. that that uh, was not fun anymore. Then mm-hmm. you know it was, and I was still young, so I was not ready for it. For that, I right. guess it was not meant to be. Do you ever feel like if you started later, or you had the mental discipline that you have now when you were playing, that you could have been some, you know, been something different than what you were, or you could have pursued that? To a to a to a different level, um, or do I don't you not know. think about it? I don't, don't know care? how far. I I never. I don't. Sometimes I think when I have the mental game, the mental game I have now. If I would have had it there, mm-hmm. I would have made it further. But I think there's many who had the same talent as I. And Roger is one of yeah of a of a of of a of a mil- many, I don't many. know, billion, million. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, so I think even when I had it, I didn't know. You'd, we will never know, but of course I would have made it further. Um, but I think not enough to be uh, in the top 100 right. in the world. I don't mm-hmm. think so. Right. But we will never know. But So, yeah. when, so when does triathlon start finding its way into your life? Um, very funny how it came I did a language stay in San Diego just for language Mm -hmm. and uh, I met these two (laughs) Brazilian guys one was Juliano Terrell he's he's now a coach he's he's actually a friend a coach uh, uh, also helping me with yeah with with a lot here in training now for the Ironman Kona and then Fabio Carvalho he's he's still night shoe athlete trying to qualify for, Mm -hmm. for 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 real, and I met these guys, and uh, they were so chilled and good. I loved the lifestyle they they had. They were working in a coffee shop part time, and the rest they were doing triathlon. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "This is so cool!" Because I came from tennis and ice hockey, and uh, this lifestyle, and they were so fit, and uh, I really admired that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how old were you? I was. Tw- I think I was. Um, what age you have to be to drink alcohol? 21. So I, I just turned 21. Yeah. I, can I like how that's that. how you're remembering it. You're like, uh, I had some good times in San Diego. Yeah, no, actually, yeah. yeah. I think I just turned yeah. 21. <laughs> so I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. So uh, then I there, I, I don't know, it got, I got hooked and I, I bought my first bike at Nitro. I bought a Cannondale, a, 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 a yellow Cannondale, very bright. Uh-huh. And uh, how long were you supposed to stay in San Diego? Three months. The, okay. I, uh, so you meet these guys and you're like, I like, I'm going to get a bike. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was before I met the guy in Switzerland who did triathlon because I trained a little bit. 
And I was already, I knew what triathlon was, right. but I got really hooked when I met these guys and thought, this is, these are cool guys, nice guys and good, good lifestyle. I, I like it. And, uh, and, uh, I, I had school from nine to 12 or one. And always before I went to the gym and, uh, in downtown San Diego, actually, I was, mm. and on top they had a swimming pool, so I went swimming there, and uh, and then I went to school, and in the afternoon I went for a ride. Wow! And, and that's how it started. Uh -huh. Yeah. <clears throat> so, is it one of those things where, from your first pedal stroke, you showed like some aptitude for this, or uh, how did it? You know, how, what, I mean, when you were beginning, you were thinking, "I'm going to race this and turn this into something," or I'm just having fun. I. It was just having fun. I think it was. More, of course, of course, I'm a competitive person and I thought of racing, but not professional or anything mm -hmm. because I just started that. I loved it. I, I was, I, I can remember, I, I just, I couldn't swim. I was, I was not a swimmer, you know, I never swam really. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just had fun and I went running and. Uh, so how are you? Hold on a second. So if you're in downtown San Diego, that's where you're living and yeah. studying and stuff. Yeah. So how are you like meeting these guys that are way up in North County, like hanging yeah. out around Nitro? Yeah, they had. I had a car, a little car, uh -huh. and I drove up there all the time. Gotcha. And I drove up there with my bike. I bought it, and then I went riding with there. them. Yeah. Uh -huh. Cool. That's how it was. And right. uh, and then I I even met uh, Jürgen Sack. He was by the time he was the man. I mean. Mm -hmm. Then, uh, yeah, so he was preparing for Hawaii, but he had an accident that year, so he couldn't. And actually, that year, I, I flew to Hawaii. Like, in, in that language stay, mm -hmm. uh, I, I flew to Hawaii to watch the race. Oh, wow. Kona, yeah. Cool. Because that guy I met uh, in Switzerland, he uh, was a triathlete, and he said, hey, if you're in San Diego there, let's you let's go come. and have, have a look at, in Kona. Right, so this has got to be, what, like... 2000? 2000. 2000, yeah. right? 2000. And for people that are listening who maybe don't know that much about triathlon, <clears throat> you have to understand that San Diego, and particularly North County around Del Mar and Encinitas in this area, was a real and continues to be one of the hotbeds of the sport. And people would come from all over the world, the professionals, to train in this area particularly that kind of Encinitas area. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Germans, so many so many yes. sort of Germans, and I don't know how many Swiss were there, but hmm. Germans. enough Germans, enough professional Ironman triathlete Germans were living and training there that the Saturday morning ride, the loop, the sort of famous loop, the group ride every Saturday morning would, was called the German ride or the German loop, right? See, I don't even remember that, yeah. but... I was not going on these rides because I was just into the tri right. triathlon, so... Uh, so, so you just, just felt you were kind of it. fell into this right place, right time, and yes, and interested, and yeah, it was just. I saw then I went watching Kona, and I was so amazed because it was blowing, it was humid, it was hot, and that year in two thousand, it was blowing some guys off the off the Queen K. There you mm. ride down the Queen K on the Big Island, and and some were really almost blowing off. Right, like coming down from Javi or yes, right, uh, right. no, actually in Waikoloa, it's where right. the helicopter helicopters are, and the, it was unbelievable. And I was just amazed. I was I couldn't imagine ever doing this, mm -hmm. but I was amazed. On I, actually, they looked so fit, they looked healthy. They, it's all I actually. I thought that's that's what I want to be. It was about healthy, fun, and. Well, the suffering, I didn't see that much in that moment. <laughs> you, you, would, you would soon learn more about that. Yeah, soon. Right? 
So, so you, so you return from that trip and, and, you know, do you start making changes in your life? Like how, how does this start to happen for you? Yeah. I remember I started, I started doing triathlon. Like, uh, of course we have some cold winters when I came back, I came back, I think in January. So, uh, to return had, to where you live. So living outside Zurich at the time? Li- or? Yeah. Living mm-hmm. outside Zurich, um, in January, it's still winter time, but I mean, uh, you can always go in the gym, but uh, as soon as I got summer, I I started my, I I start I, I, I started training and I did my first uh, competitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and so so is it one of those things where you won your first race? Um, I think I won my first race. Maybe it was a really short one. All already in two thousand and one. Yes. Wow. Right. Because in two thousand two, I already did my first Ironman. Uh huh. Yeah. So literally two years from seeing this for the first time. Yes. You're 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 straight off into Iron Man. Yeah. And when you p- were when you went back to Zurich, are you working then? Or are you in school still? Or yes, I was doing uh, in in Europe. You do apprenticeship at the insurance company. Mm-hmm. So I I still worked for for an insurance company by mm-hmm. then, and uh, yeah, I mean I was not professional or anything. I was right. just. Yeah, doing it for fun and mm-hmm. yeah. so you win your first race and then what was your first Ironman? It was Ironman Florida. I sorry, it was in two thousand and three. Ironman Florida, mm-hmm. uh, the first Ironman I did, um, I got eighth, seventh place in eight hours fifty three. Seventh place in your first Ironman. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah, it was amazing. And I, you're twenty three, twenty four, twenty three, twenty three. Yeah, I was. Wow. Uh, and were you professional at that time? Had you turned pro or? Yeah, I, I turned already pro because I, I was in the national team for duathlon. Right. I, I, came, <clears throat> I joined the national team after I started from like after um, San Diego, I did my first races duathlon and I won the under 23 championships. Just like that. Just like that. And then I Had was... Had you been... I mean, when you were playing tennis, were you doing endurance running or anything like that? Like, how do you attribute such a rapid... Six, such you know well, yeah. crazy success right from the get go. The thing was, I played tennis and also ice hockey mm-hmm. and inline hockey. I don't know, inline hockey is just on the roller, right? And I was always known with from with my teammates for my awesome uh, stamina because just normally not getting tired, huh? Just you're just not getting tired. Yes, because normally in hockey you do like two minutes and then you go out. You you mm-hmm. have like uh, four blocks. So, and I always could do doubles, you know, like I could always stay on the ice. So they, these guys were always saying, well, you have a lung, I don't know what mm-hmm. you're doing. So I was always, I knew I, I had this, a big engine. Right. But, but uh, it's surprising you didn't find yourself in like cross country skiing or something like no, that, you know, no. that would be much more Swiss. Yes, I know. No, I was more into hockey and actually uh, weight training and I was heavy. I was too Yeah, you're a big guy. 200 pounds, or yeah, I don't know, in kilo, in kilo it was about 92 kilo. Mm-hmm. So that's about 200, almost 200 pounds. Yeah. Wow, that's big. Yeah. So big. What, do you, what do you weigh now? Now I'm 170. 170. 170. That's yeah. still pretty big. Yeah, yeah. That's that's still. Professional Ironman. Yeah, yeah. I was always a bigger, bigger guy. But still 40 pounds, you were 40 pounds heavier. Yeah. I yeah. can't even picture that. Yeah, it's it was. Yeah. I mean, I went to the gym five times a week, or let's say four. Right. Played ice hockey and, and not not professionally, like I said, but just I had fun with the team sports and the playing. Yeah. So, so 
I never did really endurance sports, but you had this natural aptitude natural, for it. Yeah, naturally right. gifted, I guess. Just always, mm. yeah. On and the so when you did, I mean, did you lose all that weight really quickly? Like when you got seventh in that first Ironman, did, were you already down to 170 or were nope. you still doing that as a big guy? I mean, I, it takes years to lose all that muscle mass, right? Yeah. I was still a big guy. I was still 190, mm-hmm. I would say. Wow. It, it shed a bit, but then it stopped for a long time. And the, the last few pounds came off only like the last six, seven years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, but in the beginning, uh, I was still a big guy. Right. Yeah. And uh, I had to also to train really differently to other guys uh, who were in the sport longer. I couldn't take these volume stuff and the running, t- the, 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 imp- uh, the impact for a big guy. You cannot run right. like 80 miles a, a week right. if you're... We talked a lot about that at lunch, yeah, and how that's changed over the years. So, you know, why don't we just take this opportunity to talk about that now? I mean, the the kind of conventional wisdom in Ironman or in, you know, ultra-distance endurance, Ironman distance stuff is you got to lay a huge endurance base. You got to put in a lot of miles, like a lot of just aerobic, you know, saddle time on the bike and a lot of long runs where you're just getting acclimated to that pounding so you can get used to the idea of being out on a race course for 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 hours, yeah. right? Depending upon your aptitude. And that's the way most people train. And a lot of people have success with that. But I think there's now some new kind of science coming into proper training and people are experimenting with different ways of doing it. And uh, you have a really unique perspective, but I want to kind of paint the picture and how you've kind of evolved to this place from what you were doing previously to kind of what you do now. We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health, from fermented food to fiber and everything in between, including, of course, the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16-year-old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily personally for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And 
With that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Yeah, I mean, of course, when I came into the sport, you first look what others do. I mean, when you have no experience, you... Mm -hmm. And that was always a good thing. I always lis I love to listen. And then what I learned later was to have your own opinion. You listen, and then you take the best things for out for you. Because as more experience you do yourself, you can you know where to pick from. But right, when you know you, it's working for you. And yes. when you start, you just, you, okay, you, tell me what to do. You don't know. Right. And did you have a coach from the very beginning? Um um, not really. Um, I was in the national team, so I went to training camp with the national team. Mm -hmm. um, and you can imagine I tried to do the same miles as they did. Right. So we went. They're probably a lot of like cross country, cross country running type guys, yeah, right? I, it was all triathlon. It was triathlon. So uh, these guys were swimming in the morning, of course, one and a half, uh, one and a half hours, and then four hour bike, five hour bike, and then uh, one hour. 30 run. That's what for me three days it was okay. After one week I was sick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I was dumb. Uh -huh. I was grounded. Right. And uh and I was like, what's I'm not made for this. I mean I I'm fast, but I I struggle if I do too much, you know. And uh and people said, Yeah, you need to lose weight, you're too heavy, you're still one hundred and ninety pounds, you're too too heavy. But uh, and then I even tried to lose weight, but it's not so easy to 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 lose muscle mass, train right. like you never before. Yeah, you can drop um, some some 
fat, you know, off your gut or whatever. Yes. But if you have big shoulders and, you know, that exactly. doesn't just, that doesn't happen very quickly, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. And then also the swimming, I, I'm still not the best swimmer. And I, I'm not, when you can imagine you play hockey, you're like, you it's different than technique swimming. You have to be sleek and in the water and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really flexible as well. And all that came into play. And, uh, I mean, that took a lot of time to transform, but... In so the, you're still trying to do it, though. You're, you're like jamming this round peg into a square hole, like trying to make yourself do what everyone else yes. is doing. If I just keep doing it eventually, like I'll get used to it. But I, I, the good thing always was I listened to my body. So when I... And in the beginning, I was so tired, I had to stop. So I didn't mm. even have to listen to my body because my body will... Who's telling you? Will, will told me these so clear designs that you couldn't avoid them. So I got really, oh, I was, I had a hard time in the beginning because when you're not so successful, maybe just wanting to get successful, you have, you go what people say. So um, also you cannot just do things your way and and then you, if you don't win, then people are going to criticize you because Mm -hmm. yeah, you're not doing it our way. So in the beginning, of course, I was not the best from the start. Right. It's impossible. But I was a talent. I was fast when I was rested, always, mm-hmm. because I had raw speed. But Did you ever think that maybe Ironman wouldn't be your distance, though, and that you should do ITU and you know focus on the shorter races? Yeah, but that was never a question for me because I was in Hawaii and I was hooked from that, that mentality. Right. And I was not a swimmer, so I knew you have to swim really fast. Those guys are really fast. Yeah, and... Uh, also, I was not so a fan of the drafting, uh, mm-hmm. bike drafting thing because my strength was the bike. I loved riding my bike around. That was where I was strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I always loved the run, although I was a, a big guy. And uh, they always said, uh, like, oh, you will never run fast unless you, you shred these pounds. But I actually ran pretty fast 10Ks with a... With 195 pounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so what was your 10K at 195? Like I ran like 3230. <laughs> yeah. And what yeah. was your, when you got seventh in that first Ironman, yeah. you weighed what, 190 then? Yeah, maybe about, what's that, about 86 kilo, yeah. Right. Probably, uh, that's about that, yeah. And what was your marathon time there? It was 306. 306. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> On the end of an Ironman. Yes. And now, sure. several years later, and 20 pounds lighter yeah, nine years later yeah. your best marathon time in an Ironman is 243 yeah 243 which is insane right well, that was in Ironman Florida yeah. in 2011 right yeah it was a I mean it was a <clears> cool <throat> day cooler day it was was perfect perfect day also for to go sub eight but uh yeah I right. mean that's pretty quick for still a big guy like me it's, uh, it's quick for, I don't care how big or small yeah, you are, it's true. quick for anybody. And for yeah. people that are listening, it's it's almost beyond comprehension. So Ronnie, um, as I mentioned in the intro to this, uh, set the fastest Ironman time ever run, ever performed on in North America at Ironman Florida in 2011. And you ducked under eight hours at 7.59, right? Yeah, I and was the first. that included like a 4.19 bike split or something like that? Yeah, like 4.19 some, and... Right? Or yeah, I a don't 419 know. bike split yeah. and then a 243 yes. marathon. 
thought it was funny. I, I would never believe I could run it that fast because I was already feeling really tired. But it's it's, it's unbelievable. That's what I always uh, find so. Uh, how you how, what's what's you you're able to do? You know, mm -hmm. in training, you think, oh, it's impossible to run. I'm happy to run 30 minutes off the bike, but mm -hmm. in racing, your mental and everything, your mental focus and everything, and you can do things you would never believe. Right. And that's the message that I'm always trying to put out. And that's, you know, the idea behind this podcast is that we're all victims of our own limitations, yeah. right? Whether they're mental or physical yeah. or just patterns that we're used to. And if anything, you know, we all have the power to transcend those circumstances and change. You know, sometimes you got to be in pain to change, but that's a choice, you know, and to hear you, because it's easy for somebody like me or somebody who's listening to hear that and go, well, he's just a freak, you know, like who can go under eight hours in an Ironman? This guy is just, yeah. he's, an, he's an alien, you know, he's from a different planet. But for you to express like that, you know, you didn't think that that was possible and that how tired you were getting off the bike and then yeah. your ability to still pull that out and do that. I mean, it's remarkable. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's unbelievable what you really can do where, <laughs> yeah, when you, I mean, yeah. and it wasn't that many years from you, like, you know, traveling to San Diego and saying, yes. this looks cool. Like, wow, look at these guys. And then here you are like the fastest guy to ever do that race in yeah. this continent. You know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. And uh, the journey who, who, who got me there, like, so, so was also, I learned a lot about myself especially about my body, what's good for my body. And mm -hmm. I think my success, I, 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 I'm successful because I always listen to my body as well. I mean, in the beginning, I told you that I was struggling in, in these right. beginning years. But, um, and then I learned that uh, I can only, uh, I mean, of course, you need to do a certain training regime, but I always try to, to listen to my body, even though it was not mainstream and what... Um, mm -hmm. what triathletes normally would do in volume but uh, I, I, I said look this is my body this is how I work and uh, as more successful I got as more confidence I got in my training and, uh, mm -hmm. and I, 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 I think every uh, experience uh, yeah you learn from every experience if good or bad and, uh, and uh, yeah that, that race in, uh, in Florida um, it's also funny because just four weeks before I dropped out of Hawaii mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, I'm not doing the right things. I'm not ticking the boxes. But sometimes... Right, so what happened, in, what happened in Hawaii that year? Well, I think for Hawaii, I always... Because it's the, the biggest race in our sport, it's the best guys, it's the hardest course. I mean, the course is the hardest because it's so hot and so humid and so windy. Um, and you just want to be overprepared. Maybe in your mind, but the overprepared is al already a word. Is overprepared is not good. You want to be prepared, the mm -hmm. best you can be. But if you want it so bad, you try to you try to do good in a good way. But then maybe it's too much. Right. So I always did a little bit too much you the just, last you few showed weeks. Showed up overtrained. Overtrained, and you know, mental part, most important part for me right. in Ironman racing, <clears throat> you have to be fresh mentally. I mean, and so what do you do? to make sure that you're fresh mentally? Like what are the actual things on a daily basis yeah. that you do to take care of that? For me, it's, uh, I'm performing the best 
if I if I'm around my family, around my friends, it's not what I do in training. It's what I do off training. It's what me what relaxes me. That's uh, I feel like my recovery is better and uh, just like the p- uh, positive attitude around, like just like positive energy. Um, that's what keeps me fresh. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, um, in my particular way, not maybe a bit less training than others. That doesn't mean I train less hard. I think when I train, I train really hard. I mean, for me, I'd mm-hmm. go on the limits. But in the volume, in the I, I go a little, uh, go with less. Go with less, right? Yes. <clears throat> and that's something that you learned, kind of the hard way over the years of yes, you know, to kind of harken back and pick up what, where we were talking about before. Um, and I think it takes a really strong like sense of yourself and kind of mental constitution to be able to not just realize that, but to put your foot down and say, this is not working for me. I know this seems to work for everyone else, or this is what everyone is telling me that I should do, but I'm going to go over here and try something different. And, you know, I just remember as being a, being a swimmer in college and, and this is like the late Mm eighties at Stanford and, and the kind of conventional wisdom in swimming at the time was volume, like tons of volume. Like Mm -hmm. we would swim during Christmas training season, like the hard part of the year of training wise, we're going like 20,000 meters a day, you know, like insane amounts of swimming Mm -hmm. for races that are 44 seconds long, you know, like like really short stuff. Right. And, and I would just do it, you know, and I'm, I actually do well with volume, like volume works for me, but I understand it doesn't, not for everybody. And there was one guy, um, my friend, John Moffat, who I had on the podcast and the audio got screwed up. So I'm going to have to have him on again, but he, he had been the world record holder on the hundred breaststroke, big guy, like really big, strong guy. And he was just like, I'm not doing this, you know? And I thought like, who is he to say, what's what? Like, this is what we're doing. Come on. Why is he not showing up for workout? And he's Mm -hmm. like, I can't do that kind of work. Like, and I just remember as an 18 year old looking at that and going, I can't believe he has the balls to like Mm -hmm. stand up to the coach or to the program or to everything we're all being told that we need to do. And for him to be able to understand his body and what he needed to be a champion and say, I'm, I have to stop. Like, I can't, this is not in service (laughs) to my goals, you know? So I can only imagine for you. I mean, the only reason I raised that is just because the analogy being like, I understand how difficult, it's hard to understand how hard it <laughs> must have been to buck that tradition, you know, yes. when there's so much momentum behind it and everybody's saying, do this, do this, do this. Yes, uh, that's exactly right, what you say, because uh, that was so hard because it would have been easier to go with the flow or I don't know, mm-hmm. just do it and maybe be not... Well, just not say, well, or, then you, I'm just screwed and I'm not successful, uh, right. you know? Like, but you're I, also taking a big risk because if you don't perform, then everyone's going to point at you and yes. say, we tried to tell you, why didn't you listen to us? Yeah. And there I was lucky that I was from the start successful with what <laughs> I did. <laughs> well, I guess I mean, is, yeah. quite successful. Uh-huh. Not, But I was, so I was always like, yeah. Unbelievably, but, like a two, almost 200 pound hockey player, tennis player guy yeah. is like killing it, you know? Yeah. In a very short period of time. So you're doing, obviously you're doing something right. So uh, in the beginning, people were still saying, oh, you need to do more, you need to lose weight, whatever. But then when you get more successful, people start to say, like, oh, what you do is actually works, actually. And then I'm saying, no, 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 it works for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying uh, this, but people start to, you know, it's always when you're successful, everything is, is good you do. But that's not mm-hmm. true. I do a lot of things wrong still. 
that doesn't mm-hmm. mean just because I'm successful, I'm doing everything right. You know, that's right. I mean, that brings up a really interesting and I think really important thing. And, and, you know, I get this a lot and I'm sure you do all the time, like everywhere you go, what do you eat before a workout? What do you eat after a workout? What do you put in your bottles on the bike? And, you know, w- what's your secret recipe for how you prepare to perform the way you do as if there is some, you're, you're holding on to some secret that if you just told them that it would work for them as well, or that yeah. they would suddenly transform themselves. And what I always say is it's like, look, it's not, you know, it's not what I'm doing. It's not, you know, I'm not the guru. You have to take personal responsibility and ownership of that. And that mm-hmm. requires the hard work of, of developing a relationship with yourself and mm-hmm. understanding how your body works, what works, what doesn't. You have to be aware. You have to be really conscious of how you're feeling and what's going on and whether you journal that or you just become hyper vigilant about making those connections be- between whether it's the foods you're eating and how you're doing or the workouts that you're doing and how that's affecting you and sleep and all these variables. You have your own, you know, you have your own equation set. You have your own algorithm that's going to work for you. And you got to figure that out. There's no way around figuring that out for yourself. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And I sometimes say, yeah, listen to your body. And then people look at me a little strange. And I'm like, I really mean it. Go mm-hmm. get up in the morning. How, listen, how do I feel? Speak with yourself. <laughs> that's not what I do sometimes, you mm-hmm. know, because you have to learn your body. Like your body is can tell you a lot but if you don't listen to it mm-hmm. well then uh, it can't tell you anything so that's it's very hard to or if you're not treat if you're not treating your body right if you're not eating right if you're not sleeping right if you're stressed with your job then you just kind of go through your day feeling lousy all the time and then you just become kind of numb to that yeah. you know so Probably. i think when you start to make improvements here and there and you start to notice changes that's when you have to i mean because you can disassociate you know you can disconnect and not think about it It, it's actually work or you have to make a conscious effort to do that right yeah you have to to make a decision as well right um yeah i mean it's uh sometimes uh maybe like i get up in the morning and i have this a hard day but i'm really i'm i still feel this race uh, this 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 training from yesterday and then I say, I, I go on my bike and I ride and I have planned a six hour ride, but I feel really bad and turn around after two right. hours, not but happening. no bad feelings. because right. not feeling guilty. I think that's the big yes. thing, like beating yourself up like you failed that, or something. Yes, <clears throat> but that's, I struggled for all my career. I mean, I had to, this was an involvement, like I had to learn this. Don't, because it's like you give up, but... You cannot mm. do this all the time. I mean, that's year after year you, you after got, year. Yeah, but you sometimes you got to do these six-hour rides. I mean, it's just sometimes. I think it decides if you success what you're not doing because we are uh, we endurance athletes are extreme guys, mm. and with the volume and with the training. But where do you really draw the line? Where is the perfect amount for you individually? Right. Who says 30 hours? Who says 40? Who says not 20? I mean, and maybe one week, it's the perf- like the perfect hours you should train is maybe 20 because mm-hmm. you didn't sleep well, you, you have maybe other stress. That's what I mean. It's, I have a plan, of course, with, but it's, it's very... Malleable. Flexi- yes. You're flexible yes. depending on and, how you feel. And don't... Some people, they, they drive on or they get their confidence from doing a plan 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I did the plan. My my race didn't go well, but I did the plan. Mm-hmm. And I was never like this. I was never a plan guy. I was like, oh, I didn't. <laughs> I was more like, oh, I, I didn't train this. That's why I got successful, you know, because here I was tired. And then I decided Took not to do this training. Right. And I'm really proud of that. Uh-huh. And that's, well, that's how I that's my perspective. Which you is know? good. Yeah, because I know what that feels like to go, you know, like to try to get up and do a workout and be too tired and be, and then mope home feeling like, you know, what's wrong with me as yeah. opposed to, well, this is my body's giving me a message. It's not good or bad. You're the one who's placing a value judgment on that. You can, you can decide that it's actually good. Like, Hey, my body's tired. That means I've been stressing it. It's time to, you get stronger when you rest and you allow your body to repair itself. So allow yourself to get repaired and then you'll be better. Yes. Right. Of course. I mean, there's different ways to look at it, mm-hmm. but that's how I work, how I work, how my mental uh, yeah, how I work. Well, very healthy. So, I mean, if yeah. it was just a factor of how much you're training, then the guy who wins Ironman every year would be the guy who's exactly. training 90 hours a week. You know, would yes. be the guy who's training the most. Yes. Obviously, that's not what it is. So, exactly. it's the guy who trains the smartest for his body, for his physics, for his mm-hmm. mental, for everything, because you always have to see it as a whole. Also, maybe I'm not the guy to to, and that maybe I'm not happy to train 40 hours as well. Maybe that's not my like your friend, the swimmer. Mm-hmm. He said I can't do it. But that doesn't mean he's less successful if he trains a bit less because it's right. that's then it's perfect for him in his in his. Well, uh, he's taking ownership of his preparation yeah. as opposed to abdicating that to a coach or some program without really thinking about what is really best for him. Yeah, exactly. Right? So I think that's important, and I think <clears throat> you know it's interesting to hear, and we talked more about it at lunch, but kind of your evolution from you know the volume. Uh, methodology or philosophy and figuring out that that didn't work for you. And then really not just embracing this idea of, of listening to your body, but, but really the idea of the rest and the taper. And I think that that's something that gets really not enough. We all talk about recovery and all of that, Mm -hmm. but like for you to really properly taper I mean, your body needs, it needs a long time to rest and it takes a lot of mental fortitude to relax into that and not panic. And in swimming, um, you know, you'll, we used to train like, you know, eight months straight every day, hard, hard, hard. It was crazy. Right. And Mm -hmm. then two week taper where you do literally like do almost nothing for two weeks and you just lay on a couch for two weeks and you would feel like amazing. Like sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Mm -hmm. You kind of rolled the dice. Your whole season was about this one taper. But when we were at lunch and you were talking about some of your best races have been where you like where it were after like a couple of weeks after a race that didn't go so well. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of relaxed for a couple of weeks, exactly. released the pressure, didn't yeah. really train very hard and Had then few surprised yourself with like these crazy results. And yeah. I think that's a testament. I want you to talk a little bit about that, but I think it's a testament to really just how much recovery you need when you're punishing your body that much. It takes a long time for yeah. you to resuscitate yourself yeah it's i had to learn this the hard way uh like i said i trained really hard for hawaii too close as well and uh i learned from my body and maybe for others as well this is in 2011 right 11 yeah and so just for context in 2008 you were fourth fourth at the kona ironman world championship so 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 then what happened in 09 and 2010 uh i 09 i dropped out 10 I got, uh, no, I got 14th in 09, uh, 10 also, 14th, 16th, I think, mm-hmm. and 11 I dropped out. 
So, I mean, not really knowing you very well, but just hearing that, it sounds to me, I would imagine, or I'd be willing to venture that after getting fourth in 2008, you're like, hey man, like I'm, mm-hmm. I could be like on top here. Yeah. So then the following year, you double down, you're training mm-hmm. super hard and you show up and you're just like every, all, you know, all the cards on the table. Yeah. And, but you were just overtrained and flat. Yeah. I, I, I thought, hey, I'm fourth with that training I'm doing. What you if know? I train harder? Yeah. What if I train? <laughs> I, yeah. I fell, I fall, I, I fell into that. that Rather than doing what, what exa- got you to get four. Exactly. Yeah. That's how it was because as, as more uh, training I did, as more accustomed I got to training and I could handle more volume. And before my body was always telling me more, oh, mm-hmm. you're tired because I was really much tired. So after my fourth in, in, in Hawaii, I was like, oh, I'm fourth, four minutes off the win. Greg Alexander won. Um, man, this is, this, this could be, I mean, I could win next year. Right. So I did everything and I had these three years where I just overdid it. I still won my Ironman Switzerland's, um, right. but it was just too much in the end of the season. I think I was burned. I was mentally burned, but also physically because my tapering was always not enough, not enough mm-hmm. time. And in 2011, I had this new experience. I uh, trained again really hard, uh, almost until two weeks to the race. And to, I f- to Kona. To Kona. Mm-hmm. And I felt really flat <laughs> leading mm-hmm. up, raced flat, and I have to, had to give up uh, in, in the run. And uh, I was disappointed, but I immediately decided, hey, you know what, in four weeks' time, there is an Ironman, Ironman Florida, going to race it but you know what I'm just have fun yeah just have fun afterthought uh, yeah I went I went to Austin I trained my two hours a day still an hour or two a day but that's for for a pro athlete that's really not much Mm -hmm. I had the Shiner Bock every night (laughs) actually or two no I was really in a relaxed state yeah I have to say I did 70.3 two weeks later in Austin and then so but before that and after that like it was just relaxed, having a good time, like yeah. hanging out. Just the last four 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 uh, weeks, I I ran three times a week. I bike three times a week, and I mm-hmm. swim three three times a week. So that's right. like really low. And eating I mean, eating lunch with Rip Esselstyn at yeah, Whole Foods, exactly. eating Rip's big bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, about that. Yeah, yeah. Whole Foods, I always enjoy. That's yeah. that's great. No, and 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 then I showed up there, and uh, and you're so, like, but you didn't put it that much pressure on yourself, right? This was just. To sh- at Iron Man, I mean, it's still an Iron Man. Yeah, I You're mean, still a professional. Yeah, I, I, I. But it's not Kona. No, it's not Kona. I'm, but I wanted a little bit redemption or not redemption, but like just, I wanted to show that I was in good form for myself. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted deep down, I wanted to win, but it's not like I put. It's not Kona, like you said. It's never the pressure of right. Kona. Right. So and 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 the so you're running two or three times a week. During yeah. this period, during this lead up, forty-five minutes. Right? Forty-five minutes, <laughs> yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, and because. A, uh, and you're going what? Like how many hours a week of training? Oh, maybe the last four weeks I did maybe. Uh, I would say twelve hours of training. Wow. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Also with the tapering for the seventy point three. Right. I mean, then I was even less. I and I was flat off the Hawaii. Still, I did the right. race. So one week I almost did nothing. I actually mm-hmm. had vacation with my former girlfriend, now wife, mm-hmm. the week just after Hawaii. And then I went to Austin, one week tapering for the race. 
and then after the race, two weeks tapering. Mm -hmm. So actually, the last four weeks were well, really not much. Of I anything. haven't actually after Hawaii, I haven't ridden my bike for a week because I was so. And then I decided to go to Austin and and decided to race Florida. Right. But that's unbelievable when you look back. It's like. And yeah. then you go, yeah, <laughs> you go seven fifty nine. Yeah. Yes. And so what do you, like when you're running and you're like the last couple miles of that run, like what's going through your mind? Like how is this happening or, oh, I was, or is a switch getting flicked? Like, they, oh, I understand now. Yeah, they, they were, oh, you mean how I really. Like well, when it, when you clued into you, like, you know, why am I succeeding here? And yeah. why haven't I been succeeding in Hawaii the last couple of yeah, years? I, I did, there in the race, I didn't ask myself this question. I was just enjoying the moment. Yeah. I was just like, man, this is cool. Flying 243, flying 350, like, or well, I don't know, five, five minute a mile or uh -huh. uh, uh, five. You're going, you're going like, like four minute Ks or? Yeah, like three, 350 actually. 350, yeah. yeah. So it was just amazing. And, and uh, yeah, but then... After the race, I realized, huh, something is wrong here. I have to change something. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't change it for, for 212 too much, actually. Right. Um, because you always try to... Then you get caught up in... Yes, you okay, get caught up still. What are, what are other people doing? Exactly. Are, you mm -hmm. train with other people, which is great. Um, in 2012, I trained with Chris... Uh, McCormick, but then also I was in Sedona and the altitude was not so my thing, mm -hmm. I guess. And uh, and also, yeah, I had to learn that I need to do my own thing. Maybe not. It's nice to train in a in a in a with nice with good athletes, mm -hmm. makes you strong. But it's better, I think, early in the year before the Hawaii prep. You need to do exactly what you need. Well, it's so easy to get caught up in what everybody else is doing. And yeah. he, why is he suddenly faster than I am today? And then you get insecure yes. or, you know, I just noticed that like, if you're riding in a group ride, like you're chatting with people, you're going hard and then you're going easy or you're in a peloton where, you know, the, the wind is being broken for you. And so you look down at your power meter and you realize you're either riding too hard or too easy based on what you set out for your workout that day. Like it becomes a very, it's fun and it's refreshing, but it mm -hmm. becomes very unfocused. And at times, I think if you make that a repetitive pattern, it becomes counterproductive to your goals because you're not, you're not actually using that time to do the thing that you know that you need to do to achieve your goal. Yeah, exactly. Right. I think <clears throat> sometimes for the fun of it is great. And I don't, I don't say it was not good, but like I said, everybody works different. Mm -hmm. um, some need a lot of training, even leading up to the race. And I'm the guy who needs a little less. And uh, right. yeah, so. So you have to kind of hide out from yeah. people for a yes, while. Yes, a little bit. That's what so I did this are. year. That's so what you're doing right now. Really yeah. curious yeah. how that turns out. But uh, yeah. it's nice to be around friends, still riding together. But just it's about my program. It's not about. It's just mm -hmm. about me, not like. Right. If they want to come with you, that's fine. But they're going to have to go as fast or as slow as yes, you're going. Yes, exactly. Right. And it's a plan and it's sometimes you can still have fun. Mm -hmm. It's always important, I think, to, have, to don't forget about the fun in training, even if you train for a goal. You know, sometimes you get too, too serious about it. Right. Like serious is good, but you still, if you, for, if you don't have fun anymore, it's no good. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. But 
This quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation. A groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. And where, so where have you been doing your running around here? You go, uh, do you any of the trails, or are you keeping it all on the pavement? Um, I've, I've ke- I kept it a lot on the pavement, but I know some nice trails around here as well. I don't know the, the names. Uh, but Chesborough. Chesborough, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good one. So uh, that's one, but I have been on the on the road a lot because um, in San Diego I was the week before I ran only in the lagoon there in San Diego, in the, right? Uh, only on the on sand, like mm-hmm. almost or trails. So here I wanted to do a, two weeks of good pavement yeah, running. Pavement. Well, right around in this neighborhood where you are, it's great because it's kind of that same uh, kind of camber of pavement where yes. it's pretty flat but there's those gradual ups yes, and downs it's exactly. pretty much like hawaii so i have been lapping here yeah <laughs> and good. it's not not too crowded with the uh-huh. cars and and uh Giuliano helped me with the nutrition and stuff and that's really helpful as well of course right so so i want to talk a little bit about how he informs your training and 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 you know how you guys get together and decide how you're going to prepare um you know, like your schedule in terms of what your workouts are going to be like how how does that relationship yeah. work well, actually, we sat together. We haven't worked. We started this year. He was always a good friend. Like I said, I, I, I mm-hmm. met him in 2000, uh, in 2000 in San Diego. And we always have been friends since then, which is quite cool. As is well. he now like, hey, man, like I was the triathlete. Now yeah. you're the champion. Like what's going on? I was supposed to be the guy. Yeah, he did one Ironman, <laughs> but he was like, "Oh, it's too hard." And uh, oh, yeah. but he's he still does Olympic uh, distance pretty fast, actually. Mm-hmm. But uh, he is not the guy who wanted to be to go professional on Ironman. But uh, he wins some local races in San Diego. So yeah, he has a lot of experience as well, and he's coaching as well. So and he's a good friend, and I always like to talk to him, and I always liked his view of things. Like he understood my mentality. 
Right. And we sat together in January, Fe no, in February when I came to Los racing Los Cabos, dropped out in Los Cabos actually, uh, and then went doing a 70.3 Oceanside. And two weeks later, I won South Africa. Mm -hmm. Same thing happened to me in, in uh, Hawaii and then Florida. Mm -hmm. It was exactly four weeks and I won in South Africa. Right, so here you have, again, you've had this experience yes. that's that's telling you, like, this is a better way for you yes, to go. Yes, exactly. And there we had that talk and he said, Ronnie, you, you have to come back to your roots, like, you know, remind yourself. What was, what was it? Why were you so strong? And, uh, and uh, I said, yeah, you're right. I, I, I got lost a little bit. I, I, was, I got lost in, uh, yeah, what ought to do? Like, right. I have to do more. What can I do to, it's hard to. You just need someone to be paying attention to pull you back. Cause yeah. it's so, I can't imagine not getting caught up in, oh my God, it's Kona. Like I, I really should get yeah. out and do another workout or, yeah. you know, it's not, you need a guy like that is like, no, you know, you're not doing that. And mostly in our society is like, Oh, you do less? Oh, that's great. That's like, oh, wow. You know, it's our society, like, it's, it's never like, oh, less is better. It's not, I'm, it's, it's like more work, more harder work. And it's, it's hard to, to really um, believe in that way. I'm like, you it know. It is true. But I also think that there's like a trend happening right now. Like, it, like, like these, um, this this idea of like life hacks like what are the shortcuts that we can take to achieve our goals yeah. like to how do, how can i put in like like tim ferris who's he's written a couple books that are kind of on this theme of like how can i get you know 80% of the results by putting in 20% yeah. of the work or like yeah. where am i wasting time you know yeah. and i think that there's been some thought put into that in terms of training where you have like guys who are trying to train for marathons with a crossfit approach and only training mm -hmm. like never doing the long run yeah. or whatever yeah. and and, you know, I don't, I, I don't have any experience with that. Like I'm not in a position to judge whether that's good or bad or whatever. And I even had, you know, a guy on the podcast to talk about it. Um, some people seem to be doing well with that, but it's, it's more the point of, Hey, let's look at this. Like, are we doing it the best way? Like, let's try a few other things yes. and see what that works. And then having the, like we were talking about before the wherewithal to say, I'm doing it this way, which is different. Yeah, and then we had that talk, and uh, I was like, "Yeah, you're right, but I need somebody to to keep me on that mm -hmm. on that way." <clears throat> so he said, "Okay, let's work together for this year and see how that works." Um, he, and he sent me the programs, and I'm not a program type, you know. I right. so I always will give him the feedback, like, "Oh, I didn't do that, and I didn't like." <laughs> I mean, I'm still like yeah. that, but that's he said. You have to say, you know, you have yeah. to tell me when you have to adjust because. Uh, mm -hmm. A coach can never know you as good. I like as even if he knows me very well, but I live in Switzerland and he lives in uh, in uh, in San Diego, so we talked a lot. But uh, we always adjust a little bit. But actually, it's the, was the first program I did close to ninety percent, and that's a lot mm -hmm. for me because he knew me so well, and we talked about it, of course. And when he do it, we do it together. It's not like he just writes the plan. It's like, you know, that's, I think that would be good. And then and he, he puts it in a plan, right. but it's, it was good for me. It was something new as well. A new, uh, before I was a little, yeah, more maybe self. Yeah. Just, what? yeah. I lost myself a little bit. Right. And, uh, and, and this year was, is the most successful year I, I have. And also, yeah, it's I mean, it's so exciting. You won Ironman South Africa. You won your seventh consecutive yeah. Ironman Switzerland. And so you're going into Kona with a lot of 
positive momentum yeah. and you've got a guy who's making sure that you're doing the things that you did that made you successful in those yeah. crazy races that you did. And so it's and good, he, man. It's lining yeah, up, right? He kept me real and all the way out, lead up and he's always, it's good. It's very mm -hmm. good. It's good to have good, uh, people around you who believe in you and who, uh, yeah, really, Uh, no, well, it's you. still a team. I mean, it's an individual sport, but you can't do it without a team. You can't no. perform at your level without people in your corner who are, you know, helping you out. Yeah, yeah, it's, you have to. Yeah, and uh, it just yeah, you're you're lonely alone uh, enough in the Ironman itself. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, I think it's nice to to have that support. And I mean, I have doubts as well, like everybody else. You know, is do I am I doing too less now? You know, but. I cannot do anything wrong because I tried the the other stuff. Right. The volume, <clears throat> the, 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 the... Right. The, I mean, after 2008, how many more Konas do you have to do yeah. the way you were doing it before? Exactly. Right? Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about how you mentally uh, approach the races from... I know that you're like big into like visualization and putting thought and time into rehearsing mentally what you're going to do. So I want to I hear a little bit about that. So yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, I really visualize, try to visualize the whole race, all the problems who could turn up during the race. And for me, most important is to have an answer for every possible situation mm -hmm. happening. Because what I experienced, the worst is if you start arguing with yourself during the race, not having a solution. This solution can be really just like an easy one like not even not even a good one but when you when you agreed with it before like let's say if i have a moment where i feel really bad uh, i just say uh, let it it goes away it will be good mm -hmm. you know and when i decide that before the, like if i go through that before the race and then in in the race i I already have the solution, kind of. Oh, it always well. It's not an out unexpected well. thing, right? Because there's always something that's going to come up in a race. Like it's never yes. going to go perfectly, right? Never, yeah. No. So when something happens, to not freak out or yes, stress out about it. Like you said, it's a de it's a short it's a short life. You know, yes. there's the ups and the downs, and exactly. And I was reading about um, and watching the video from uh, this past the seventh win at Ironman Switzerland. Yeah. And you're in you're uh, you're in the run, and you're having, or was it at the end of the bike, or was it early in the run when you started Cramps. to cramp? You yeah. started to cramp, and mm -hmm. I mean, I could you could easily it was a, like 95 degrees out. You could easily yeah. say, "Well, that's it." That's it. Yeah. I mean, if you're cramp up and you can't move, yeah. So how do you mentally kind of work your way through that, and 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 have faith that like if you keep going, that you can get to the other side of that? Yeah, it's a mix between positive experience. And, uh, yeah, just never give up kind of thinking. And mm -hmm. uh, because when I got to my fourth place in Hawaii, I was really close on giving up during the bike because I had one of these moments, mm -hmm. but a, like a, a deep one. So, And you weren't in fourth when you got off the bike. No, no you were I was like in 12th. Yeah, yes. exactly. Like you worked your way up in the run. Yes, and so I had these moments there where I wanted to throw my bike out of the on the lava fields in Hawaii, and then I turned this race around for good. And that experienced experience really helped me for the future races. That it's never over. 
and mm. it always like keep the pot like it always turns out good it's mm. like a happy end and i love happy ends in, in movies it's just it's, it's going to be like don't don't uh, lose this this uh, belief it and because i i experienced it myself like I wouldn't have put a cent on me on a, in, a, in this Ironman in Hawaii in 2008. Not a cent in this moment on the lava fields. And then I turn it to f and I run up to fourth place. It was one of the f most uh, yeah, unbelievable feeling of mm -hmm. my life. And from then on, I said, Ronnie, never, never, never give up on yourself. Mm -hmm. So that was one really who, who, who uh, set me up for the rest of my career, like uh, mm -hmm. experience. So yeah, again, Ironman Switzerland this year, I, I had these cramps. I was for a moment, I was out of control. I was angry. That's okay. But don't, what's also important I is- I mean, did it, was it bad enough that you had to stop running and stretch or it, were you just, did it just- It was only on the bike. Your it oh, it was only on, on the, the bike. bike, okay. And I couldn't pedal anymore because every time it was the, uh, the, the inside- uh, Right, Ham uh, yeah. inside of your leg. Inside, of inside tight. So I couldn't pedal anymore, and I had to really stretch. And the, the guy, the main guy, Jan van Berkel, uh, overtook me, and I, I, for about five minutes, I had to stretch and. Uh, right, because he had he'd come out of the water ahead of you, and then you passed him, yes, and then you're having exactly. these cramps, and then he passes you again. Exactly, I passed him. I was actually in cruise control, and then uh, actually one bottle fell to the ground, and I was for too long without mm. water. Maybe for 20 minutes, I was without water with. It was 97 degrees, whatever, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and that was uh, I was too much in in this heat, and uh, yeah, I paid it for it for cram with cramps, and but after two minutes of uh, yeah feeling bad, and I was like, oh, it's over. Then I was like, okay, now uh, what are you going to do? It's mm -hmm. now you take some some salt, you try to drink, you try to stretch, and. Uh, um, just keep going. Just keep right. going. Or just to have the composure to not panic. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. And even if you panic, it's okay. I think it's also important to to accept not being angry on yourself. You know, like, why did I react like this? It's mm -hmm. like, what happened, happened. Now, calm down. Just ride. And you. I think, for me, I never thought that with your mental, how you can uh, actually, how it, how it affects the body. How you can, like, if you don't panic, if you take it easy, these cramps start, uh, started to go away. Mm -hmm. Because I was, I was calm. I tried to calm down. And when you, when you are panicking, your body is panicking as well. Right. It's, you it's, seize up. Yeah. I your mean, heart rate escalates, your blood, yes. blood pressure, everything. Yeah. Exactly. You're on a lockdown. That's what I learned as well, because I had a lot of cramps before. So I learned that when you relax it's the best for cramps, like relax. It's the opposite you want to do, mm -hmm. but it's relax. And it comes from the, from the, from, from the head to, to, right. And, uh, yeah, then it came back and I kept going, um, and actually felt good again, quite good, mm -hmm. tired, but good. And, uh, yeah, I was still in the, yeah, not, yeah, term in time to catch You passed him. Von Burke. Von Burkle, and then he, uh, and then he ended up dropping out, right? Yeah, he dropped there. out. Uh -huh. He was over, over, maybe dehydrated, overheated, and uh, I was putting myself with the uh, ice and everything I could mm -hmm. find. But yeah, again, that was a moment there where it was uh, almost over. But yeah, you can always turn it around for good in Ironman, or I think in your life generally. 
sometimes you feel like oh, I I cannot make it. Right. Uh, it's over, but it's it's, it's never it's not over, over until it's until over. it's right. And when yeah. you're racing, do you how much uh, energy do you put into looking at who the other contenders are that you're going to be butting heads against? I mean, do you get do you get all caught up in oh well you know what what's this guy's you know <laughs> FTP and like what are the you know yeah. like what kind of why like where am I and strategize around all that or do you yeah. just focus on I'm just gonna do my thing in my race? Yeah, no. I mean, I'm interested in all these thresholds and powers and stuff, but I don't even know who's on the start list. My wife always tells me, oh, this guy. And I always say, oh, I don't want to know. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, and my friends are like, oh, now this guy is on the start list. I'm like, okay, I don't care at all. I just want to... All right, so we're not going to have a big conversation about all the people that you're thinking about racing in Kona. No, no, really, I have no... I'm big respect for everybody. I, I really... I have enough to do with myself, I think. Mm -hmm. I have more construction work to do with my, myself, my mind, right. my body. And if you waste the, t the energy and time to, to see how good they are, they are good anyway. These are the best. But I have to make sure I'm the best on that day. And if I can put the best performance on that day and there is still one faster, then I congratulate him. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have no... I mean... So you're, not, you're not getting caught up in rivalries and no, any I'm, of that kind of stuff. I'm not. Also, I can't drive on anger. I'm more driving on. I am so. I'm a harmony. Harmony. I like. I like harmony. Yeah. Uh, it's not that I need it, but I. I perform very good if also in the family it's harmony. I'm not good if there is any stress around. Mm -hmm. You know, in the family. So I race the best if because I. I and have. Calm. I put it energy from that yeah yeah and everyone's different that way i mean some people need that like they almost want that conflict like that motivates them or gets yeah. them out of bed in the morning or whatever i mean i'm like you like i don't you know it's not about that you know yeah. it's just about your own personal performance yeah. but that's interesting um <clears throat> on the subject of like watts and you know all of this kind of stuff like i'm interested in your thoughts about you know, particularly for like the amateur triathletes that are out there uh, that are training with power, interested in training with power, like how, like how caught up do you get in, you know, staring at your power meter numbers when you're training or how important are those numbers in informing, you know, where, how you feel about where you're at and where you need to be. And, you know, is there like a balance of like, do you just sometimes turn it off or... Like, how does that work with you? Because yeah. you, you hear the gamut of like, like Maka, like he doesn't really look at it. Like yeah. he doesn't pay attention to it that much. And then there's other guys who are just, all, they're just super geeked out Jordan on Rapp, the tech. Yeah, example. like Jordan is, a, is yeah. the other extreme. And well, and he's an engineer and yeah. that's the way his mind works and that's what works for mm -hmm. him. I mean, I, where do you fall in that like spectrum? I would say I fall more in Jordan's spectrum, but maybe not, I don't know him how, I don't know him that well that I know how extreme he is or how, Perfect. Like, but I, I really like to see my watts. And, mm -hmm. and what I think is, we. I think a lot of 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 age groupers, but also pros, uh, ride a bit too hard. Maybe always in training. And I find what's good for, actually, not going too hard. See, and sometimes I find it the other way around. Like if I'm riding and I'm like, I gotta get. I have to make sure that my average watts are. Yeah. at this place and if I don't do that then I'm not getting better and I, I put like this pressure on myself yeah. sometimes and that is good sometimes but I think <clears throat> you know it's hard for me to just turn it off and, and 
go out and enjoy a nice aerobic ride and not worry about it? Well, it depends on your goal. If you say, look, I don't want to ride over 200 watts today. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's an easy ride. So it's not about putting out... I mean, you could put out right now 300 watts, but it's it's really... If you have a goal, I've, I like it not to ride too hard because a lot of the time I go with my bodies and I, I, I let them go in the hills because they mm-hmm. have no feeling for... Uh, and I'm like, hey, you're doing 300 plus watts. It's We're doing an easy ride, but oh, mm-hmm. I just want to go with the flow. I mean, sometimes I like that too and I don't watch it. Mm-hmm. But if I, if I really want to do a hard training the other day and I, I always... Go in these th- over 300 watts the, the day before. If I do an easy ride, this is affecting my my real important ride when I want to ride 400 watts for my 15 minutes. Right. If you're going too hard on the easy day. Yes. Right. So that's I find, a huge lesson I think that yes. like people don't pay enough attention to, which is yeah yeah they go too hard on the easy day, but then that means that they're not going to be able to go as hard exactly. as they need to on the hard day, yeah. and so you really. You think you're doing more or doing something better for yourself, but you're actually undercutting your exactly. performance. And that's something I learned again this year as well with Giuliano. We talked about that. He said, oh, you always ride a bit too hard. And it's true. And because then I couldn't do the quality work. And now I'm mm-hmm. with my quality work. It's, it improved a lot because I'm riding these easy rides easy. And, uh, and I, go really, I can go really hard on these hard mm-hmm. intervals. And it makes a big difference because otherwise you just train something in between, like you train maybe like yeah, like and then you 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 don't you don't stimulate stimul- right. no stimulus for the body anymore. Exactly, that's yeah. how you plateau really. Yeah. Like you're in, you're not going easy enough on the easy days, and you're not going yeah. hard enough on the hard days. You reach a certain level of proficiency, yeah. but then you're you're never able to kind of have a breakthrough exactly. from that. Right. And for racing, I use the same. I know my watts. I can race about. That's the, a little bit the problem, but I, I can race an Ironman between 300 and 330 watts average. Mm-hmm. So I always try to, un, to stay on 330. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, actually a, to, a... But do you ever feel like, well, if I'm doing that, then I'm overlooking the possibility that maybe I could have a breakthrough race? You know what I mean? Like, like, cause you're, you're putting a limit on yourself. You say, I'm, I know I need to ride at 330. I can't go above 330. Yeah. But, but what if you're actually capable of more? Yeah. Like if you were just going on feel. Yeah. But it never happened. Well, that's also good. I mean, on a really good day, maybe I ride 330 and mm-hmm. the second half, uh, I ride 340. Okay. But right. mostly it's you. like that, that I can't hold. It's still, mostly it's like, yeah, it's having a little bit left in the tank. Iron Man is a long day. Right. And, yeah, you're right. It's about conserving and, and yes, being and really responsible with how yes. you're dispensing your energy. And I just know by 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 my uh, experience that I think I've never rode faster the second half than the first. So mm-hmm. so my pacing was always it was always right or always a bit too much in the first in the beginning right I, but never overly conservative n- never overly conservative yeah, yeah. exactly Interesting. so on that on that subject i mean what do you you know what do you see when you go to these races um like what are some of the things that you observe amateur athletes doing where they're if you, and you're going god why are they doing that like if they would just do it like this they could 
imp- yeah. without training any harder than they're doing, like I could see this person being so much better, you know, yeah. just in watching them. Like the di- like for example, the day before the race, yeah, you yeah. see people out like hammering on their bike or something. Oh, like you know what I mean? Like yeah. little simple things that yeah. are driven by fear or insecurity or just lack yeah. of experience. Yeah, I see that a lot. I mean, in Kona, it's special. Yeah, people are all out like peacocks, like I, trying to show you how yeah, fit they are. <laughs> I can't tell it otherwise. I've never seen it. But the thing is, in Zurich, I'm always at my home, so I don't see right. what people actually do. But in in Kona, you're in Ollie Drive. And I saw this guy one time, and he was doing these intervals two days before in the run. And I was like, man, he's up there with Greg tomorrow, I think. or <laughs> Either or, that I or... Mean, <laughs> So sometimes it's funny to watch. I'm sure like the pros, you guys like joke amongst each other. Like, look at that guy. Why is that guy doing that? Yeah, I mean, they are all great athletes. I mean, but... I mean, some, anybody who makes it to Kona is yeah. doing something right. So, it's so, so difficult. So it's not that I, I... Maybe I say, hey, why is he doing this? Of course, to my friend. Maybe mm-hmm. I say, hey, he's, he's screwing his race, you know, and they put a lot of effort in it and... and Maybe they don't know, you know, it's not actually not to laugh because it's right. maybe then <clears throat> after the race, he's like, oh, I, I, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah. Okay. One, a laugh or two you, you have for sure, because there are some who overdo it, but, uh, you know, even the pros do it, you know, mm-hmm. also we do the mistake. So, but mm-hmm. we can laugh about ourselves as well a bit, I think. Yeah. Maybe. Well, you have to. Yeah, you have to, I think. I did so many mistakes. Also, trying new things before a race, new nutrition or whatever. Right. I did all the mistakes. I mean, even as a pro. And it happens to me sometimes now. Um, What is your, your, like, sort of race day nutrition program look like? uh, Race day nutrition, I, I, well, I, I... you mean in the like breakfast? what do you have for breakfast and what yeah. do you put on that what, what's in your bottles and yeah I, I mean I it's alright man I'm a vegan it's okay you, know, you can tell me what <laughs> you really eat afraid. it's alright no. no I put a steak in the mixer you put a steak <laughs> you put a steak in the Vitamix until it's until it's liquefied and that's all you, you drink the blood of an ox <laughs> oh my god no no but yeah, no, no, it's, I, I like, uh, I like bread and yeah. <laughs> butter and I like uh, jelly. Bread and butter and <laughs> lots of blocks of cheese and. Yeah, no, in the morning, oatmeal, I, I like it like, because uh-huh. it's hot and t- it gives me energy. That's my pre-race meal with a, with a banana and uh, some, some bread with jam, uh, not gluten-free, but now I think uh-huh. I try gluten-free. You just try it. Yeah, I do. And, uh. You don't have to, though. (laughs) I want to try. (laughs) We could still be friends. (laughs) It's so good to say that. I'm much more relaxed. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) No, no. Just kidding. Um, And then I have the nutrition, a good nutrition sponsor. Um, Actually, the name is Sponsor, which I I drink about one liter per hour. It's called Sponsor? It's called called Sponsor, yeah. Uh Not not with the O, with the E in the end. Uh Um, They have great, great stuff. And... uh, yeah, I put about. Is that like eight. an electrolyte drink, or is that like a mul- uh, like a sugar maltodextrin? Uh, yeah, maltodextrin. Yeah, like different sugar, like yeah, and about 80, 90 gram, or yeah, about that, about hundred mm-hmm. gram a, a, an hour, every hour, about one liter in Kona. In, mm-hmm. in other races, it's eight. Oh, I don't know in ounces. Sorry, but about one of these bottles. Right. Let's say it that way. Yeah, and. Uh, in Hawaii, it's a bit harder. In Switzerland, in Ireland, Switzerland, I have you have personal nutrition all the time, which makes it much easier. But in Hawaii, 
how we turn around. Oh, so you can have your own stuff out on the course yeah. there? Oh, interesting. Yeah, very so nice. So how does that, like, what would you do there that you can't do in Hawaii? Yeah, for example, I start with only one bottle because I can get one mm. an hour later. So up the hill, I don't have to have this this mm-hmm. extra um, weight. I mean, I, I really, I, I specialized on planning this. It's like a little logistics plan how right. you how you do it and of course you yeah you're always perfectly nutri like well it happened that it mm-hmm. fell out this time but next time i need a backup plan plan when when you the, just make sure jonathan toker brings you all the salt stick that yeah you need, next right? time when i have cramps because we can't have you having cramps well that's a no-go but uh i hope it's not happening again in in kona but uh yeah that's about and what i take gels but in the run, like every like three three an hour, mm-hmm. and uh, but in Hawaii, it's a lot about cooling cooling down right as much as possible and yeah staying staying cool. And so you're heading out there in like a week in a, yeah in about in a week about to go a back. Week. I will be there Friday. Mm-hmm. I mean Friday, so that's eight days before the race. Right. So you have <clears throat> it's like a good amount of time to acclimate to the heat and the humidity. But not too long that you get stale or yeah that was the idea the idea um i was in san diego a few 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 weeks before and it was quite hot and humid actually so i think that was good that i actually experienced mm-hmm. some 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 hot weather some humid weather and here in westlake it's a bit drier it's a bit hotter but drier and uh yeah i had two not a good not good experiences being too long on the island i get a little bit tired um mm-hmm. and uh the humidity starts to catch up to you, yes, I think. So so seven days, I think, will be a good good amount of time to be there. Right. Because I won't, won't be training a lot, that's for sure. Last year also, I did too many runs. Mm-hmm. I probably do... When will you sh- When will you uh, play that? Play this? On air? Um, I'm not sure yet. Oh. I might put oh, well, it Well, then up. I don't tell you. Well, either like... <laughs> I, I'm thinking about... Well, here's the thing. I was going to either put it up like this week or next week or I could wait until like right before Iron Man that could be good that's no good you don't like that no no oh because you don't want to tell me anything I can put this up after the race (laughs) yeah no no I could do that no I will not be training a lot well they do their own stuff anyway they don't listen to this nobody listens to this anyway yeah I heard it's just me and you one million already (laughs) it's just me and you man come (laughs) on of course (laughs) no like I said I will do I will really try to to uh, to be fresh that's my main goal this year to be really fresh on the start line fresh and happy Ready mm-hmm. to go. That's the main goal. And if Do you I know, uh, you know Mike Rouse? Uh, I heard of him. He yeah, like he works in the fitness industry. Anyway, he he every year he on his birthday he runs the number of miles of his birthday, right? And now he's like fifty. I don't know exact age, yeah. maybe fifty five or something like that. So. But he's in Hawaii every year, so he does it yeah. on a lihi. So he's gonna run, do this like fifty five mile run or whatever. That's so I was going to say, maybe you should go out and do that with him right before the race. Yeah, that's a good idea, right? actually. I, I think, think that good, would be yeah. the best free <laughs> paper the best I ever did. You did, yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's a very good idea. I will. This is my coaching advice to you. Yeah, uh, I will. Can I get coached by you then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We talk about it right. for next year. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we'll wrap it up because you've, You've been gracious with your time, but I did want to ask you one thing. You have a, um, you have uh, your first child being born yes. this winter, yeah. 
Congratulations yes. on Thank that. Thank you. And uh, so I guess my question is, how do, does that change how you think about your training and your racing? Like, how does that impact kind of what you're doing? Yeah, I think I'm, make, I'm thinking a lot about it, actually, at the moment. And uh, I think it will change a lot because mm -hmm. uh, racing is important. This is my job. But having a child, I mean, it's, I think it's, as I haven't experienced it, so I will experience it. So, um, but I, I, I think I will do things differently. I want to take, I don't want to be away too long from the mm -hmm. family, if possible, take the family to the training or I, I go not as far. And yeah, so I, I think uh, fo focus uh, will change a, a lot as a family father. I mean, until now, I ju just just could do what I wanted, and uh, which was nice. But now I have responsibility as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm not scared, but I'm I have a lot of respect because, yeah, it's a little, little. Uh, just changes your perspective. Yes, a little bit. Mm -hmm. it's not about you anymore. It's <clears throat> about somebody else who is relying on you. Right. And uh, yeah, I thought also like, oh, can I go really on the edge? You know, like. Can I push myself still? Because uh, yeah, sometimes you go when it's in races and it's hot, and sometimes you are out of the comfort zone, and mm -hmm. yeah, you don't really know. Well, maybe I just uh, maybe I push it too far. I mean, and can I still do that? Because now I have somebody relying on me. Like mm -hmm. that's just my fault, but I I, I guess it's not right. going to be an issue. But I was just thinking about that, like. Yeah, are you still pushing over that limit? You know, when I was 20, 19, I was like, just, I don't care. Just go. Go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, right. So. Yeah, I think it's, I don't feel, I mean, just as somebody who has kids, like I don't feel it in like how hard I push myself in a workout, but I, but I think about it a lot or I feel it when I'm out cycling and, you know, I'm riding where there's a lot of traffic or yeah. there's, I don't, I never like bomb descents or I, oh, I don't yeah. do any of that yeah. kind of stuff that I would do when I was younger just for fun. You know, and it's like, yeah. well, why am I going, why am I pinning this like, you know, downhill, you know, the, what's the point of that? Yeah, like, it doesn't no, that, make any sense. I already do. Yeah. Like mm. the, the bombing down, it makes no sense uh, at all. Unless in races, sometimes you got to go. I mean, right. But even then you can. You think about like pro cyclists, like in the Tour de France or yeah. like descending these, these, alpine climbs and you know it's pouring rain and you know they have, they have kids like you know <laughs> you know Jens Voigt like how many kids does he have yeah four or five uh, six yeah, kids or something so. crazy like that and he's just killing it out there like how do you maintain that kind of mental focus to yeah. do that I think sometimes when they crash badly they have some problems as well to go right fast get again, back but again yeah yeah I could not imagine that but I think yeah, you can get used to that as well, I think. Right. I mean, there was a, did you read um, Jordan uh, Rapp uh, had another, not not incredibly serious, but he had another crash on PCH um, a couple of weeks, several weeks ago, I don't know, four weeks ago I or heard, something like that. I heard something, and he but not Yeah, and it was like, he's okay. And he's a little, he's got some road rash or something like that. It wasn't anything serious, that serious, but... But just like, you know, having had that other crash and, and now, you know, being a father and having, yeah. he wrote a blog post about his thoughts about it that I thought was really kind of introspective and touching and interesting. I haven't, and, haven't uh, read it, but yeah, going to read it. I heard about the, the big accident, but this one I I didn't, uh, I, I just one mm. tweet I saw and right yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, it will be a new experience for sure and uh yeah, already now, actually, because it's already... It, yeah, it's yeah. it's there. It's percolating. Yeah, it's exactly. incubating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is your exactly. wife going to be in Hawaii? 
No, she she we decided not to get the stress for the uh -huh. flight, you know, like it's it's twelve right. hour flight and then another four and it's better she's at home and she's still working at home and but uh yeah, it's good like that. She was with me all the time with the other races, but maybe right. I don't know, next year if it works. Don't know, I have to inform myself a lot now as a future daddy. With, uh, <laughs> yeah. With the I don't know, with, uh, the, with it's all with, good. With a lot of things. Children bring prosperity. Yeah. You just become, I don't know. It's it's awesome, man. I'm excited for you. It's cool. Yeah. So yes. after Kona, are you taking a break or do you you, you have more racing? You're going to go back to Florida or what yeah. what's going on? No, definitely a break. Um have the baby. Um yes, I want to do a longer break. I feel uh, like I started my my season very early in January already. I did a half Ironman, 70.3 and my season has been long with yeah, two Ironman, three with Hawaii. So uh I hope it goes good and I am really confident, but I, I won't be stretching my season any longer like other years mm -hmm. because I think like uh, you need to listen to your body <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, give it give it the rest and then you can attack again. Right. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for doing this. Well, thanks. Thanks for this really interesting it, interview, interesting questions. Very unusual. <laughs> it's unusual. Why is it unusual? Well, no, no, I'm not saying. Just a I five mean, second sound bite. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> no, it's just like good, uh, good inside questions. Yeah, cool. I liked it. Well, thanks for you taking know. the time. Yeah. I'm excited for the, to cheer for you in Hawaii, man. Thank it's going to be cool. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And it was nice to, I mean, the best part of this podcast is I get to sit down, you know, with cool people like yourself and get to know them and talk to them. So I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Same, same to you. Thanks. Yeah. All right, cool. So for people that uh, are are keen on jumping on the Ronnie bandwagon, they can find you on Twitter. You're yeah. at Ronnie Schildknecht. S C H. Yes. Uh, Ron, Ron Schildknecht, actually. Ron. Oh, it's only Ron. Ron, yeah. Ron Schildknecht, that's a very hard name. I yeah. have to change it for the US guys. <laughs> yeah. Like they can't spell it. Okay, just spell it. Oh, R-O-N-S-C-H-I-L-D-K-N-E-C-H-T. There you go. And you got a Facebook page, right? I got a Facebook page, Iron, and uh, I call myself Iron. Iron? Iron, yeah. You do? Yeah, for, yeah, it was good idea. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, just matched. Um, and then you have a website? Yeah, I have a website as well. Mm -hmm. Ronnie, all, all one. That's ronnieschildknecht.ch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you all can join me and uh, follow me. Cool. My Please journey. Do. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. All right, man. Well, best of luck. Thanks for your time. Yeah, Rick. thanks again, man. Thanks. Cheers. All right. Peace. Plants. Yeah.